0: The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was
1: on Fight Back with Libby Zneimer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Bob Comsick. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. We began the week celebrating Canada's 152nd birthday with a focus on Canada's wide open spaces, nature and parks. Since the year 2010, a program called Park Bus has been helping Canadians get outdoors and share in the beauty of this nation. For many who don't have transportation, it's become an invaluable way to discover our parks. I filled in for Libby on holiday Monday and spoke with Park Bus co-founder Alex Berland.
2: For both of us, myself and Boris, um, who started it in 2010, um, accessibility to the outdoors was something that uh, um, we had to... Often rely on uh, parents and, and friends to to get to these different uh, destinations, and uh, one of our favorite places was um, and remains to be Algonquin Provincial Park. So we wanted to see if uh, there would be a you know an uptake and demand and people wanting to get to these places, and uh, started a, a little pilot project in the summer of 2010 with service only to Algonquin Park and uh, very quickly realized that people actually um, want to go to more places and they they are lacking the ability to get there. We didn't run that many trips that year, but regardless, we collected some uh, feedback from people and uh, those that started hearing about uh, our service were reaching out and saying, finally, thank you for creating this. Um, When are you guys launching to Killarney and when are you guys going to Bruce Peninsula? So over the years, we've realized that this is way bigger than we originally had envisioned and started slowly growing.
1: So how does it work in terms of uh, people being able to get out there? How would one, uh, after approaching you, be able to hook up in order to, I guess, it's a bus ride to the Mm -hmm. destination and back? Is it a day trip? Is it longer? Is it a portion of a day? How does it work? Mm -hmm. Give us an example.
2: Sure. We have now quite a variety of options uh, as we've grown. The, the basic principle remains the same. You just head to our website at parkbus.ca. Every season, we put together a, a summer schedule, uh, spring, summer, and fall schedule, actually, and also some winter trips now. But uh, basically, you look at the schedule. You see what fits with your itinerary. We have day trips. We have overnight trips. So it completely depends on what it is you're looking for. And uh, you book directly from the site. You get your confirmation you know where to meet the bus. You know the times and the drop-offs and all that information is available. And uh, after that, you just board. We drop you off directly at the trailhead, at the campground, at the canoe access point. That's where you spend your time and then you're being picked up.
1: Did you not earlier mention that uh, when you were talking about the the people who take these various trips, also that you get international tourists? Mm-hmm. I'd say the
2: 25% or so of our uh, ridership is international users, yeah.
1: And any specific part of the world or country or countries that uh, they seem to come from?
2: Um, quite a number from Europe, uh, places like Germany and, and England. Um, but really, over the, the scope of the last uh, nine years or so, we've had people from all over. People from Australia, people from South America, Mexico, um, Lots and lots, you know, people just get to Canada, and for a lot of them, um, you know, Canada is really this land of opportunities, especially in the realm of the outdoors. So they they search for where they can go, what they can do, and, and many would rather not rent a car um, and use our service. In fact, I'd also say that we have people using our service that live, in the city in toronto for example and actually have a car but they prefer to leave the car behind and choose a a more environmentally friendly option especially families actually we've had families use their service on a regular basis because they just don't want to deal with the hassle of kids in the car so it's very easy you can just take the bus you can sleep on your way back you can read a book You, you can just relax without having to worry about traffic
1: my conversation with Park Bus co-founder Alex Barreland on Canada Day. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Bob Comsick. In the days leading up to Canada Day, we learned that most Canadians don't know our country's basic history. So we decided to find out why this is the case. I spoke with Anthony Wilson-Smith from Historica Canada.
0: It really annoys me when people say Canada's history is boring. Uh, I think what may be boring at times is the way that we choose to teach history. Uh, it's not a rapid teacher's, we just have to work with a curriculum, but um, a lot of focus on dates, institutions, you know, uh, those are important things, knowing who prime ministers were. It's just there's a lot more to that, there's a lot more color. The other issue, and I don't want to go all constitutional on you here, but it's because education is something that's up to the provinces rather than the federal government to teach. It means that effectively there's ten or twelve different versions of history being taught. In other words, if, you, you know, if you're you taking history, Canadian history in Ontario, you're learning primarily and almost only about Ontario history. You're not learning about what happened in Alberta or the Maritimes or BC, and the same is true in reverse. So. There's no national narrative the way there is in the U.S., where everybody grows up, you know, hearing about George Washington chopping down the cherry tree and things like that.
1: Tell us how this survey worked in terms of how many categories there were and just how it was broken down.
0: Well, first of all, you know, we're the first to say it's a nasty survey, meaning that the results on it were poor, and I'm not surprised because we asked some pretty we asked some pretty tough stuff. So we asked in various categories, which are straightforward enough. There's geography, science, and innovation animals, distinct to Canada, culture and sports. Um, you know, and and you, know, you can break it down and say Canadians did pretty well in some things, for example, geography, which is surprising, by the way, because we do know from other studies that most Canadians don't leave their home province other than for, you know, for work travel very much at all, but we still know, and I mean, we still know a fair bit about each other.
1: What was a surprise, maybe in a in a negative way? You say surprise in a good way that they do know, but what uh, kind of maybe raise some oh. eyebrows?
3: <laughs>
0: you know, where do, where do you begin? Right?
1: right? Where do you begin? So the marks are very bad overall. If this was a school test,
0: um, on average, the average respondent to the survey got twelve point three out of the thirty questions right. Only 3% would have got the equivalent of an A, which is 24 out of 30 or more. Um, nobody, sh- nobody who got those bad marks should be hating on them, because we asked um, you know, we asked some stuff that we knew was, was either tricky or pretty obscure. So I know we're, we're going to hold to ask some questions, but I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, most Canadians know, or we've seen that a lot of Canadians, particularly since the Raptors win, know that basketball was invented by a canadian by dr james naismith we didn't ask that because that would you know that would have been fairly straight up and we we would have seen a result what we asked instead was said true or false all of these questions are true false dr james naismith presented the silver medal to the canadian uh basketball team at the 1936 olympic games which were the first time the basketball was ever featured so first of all that's a lot of information Mm-hmm. Um, second, it's you know it's a real stretch, and the answer, by the way, is it's true, and that's what's interesting about it. About forty years or so after he invented the game, or you know he he was still around and he was doing this for listeners and and for you too, Bob. I mean, so these questions are drawn from you know we also we do the uh, the Canadian Encyclopedia, which is online and freeing, always updated, and we have eight full time editors working on it over over nineteen thousand articles, and we spend all year saying to our editors, pull out these little facts when they come along. If you find they're interesting and frankly a bit obscure, just put them aside and we'll, you know, when we get near July 1st, we'll put them all together and put this out. That's how it happens. So you're really competing against eight full-time editorial people who do this every day of the year, yeah, every working day of the year. So,
1: Anything you, you care to leave us with? Uh, you know, not so much the results of the poll, but just uh, in, in, in wrapping up here, Anthony Wilson-Smith from Historica, Canada.
0: Oh, I would just say something personal, Bob, which is that you know, over the years, I've worked in about there, uh, somewhere between 35 and 40 countries. Uh, lived abroad for a number of years, and it was only really when I went abroad and started to travel a bit that I lost that early Canadian sense of you know, oh well, we're kind of fine. We're not the U.S., but we're this, and started to realize this is the place where you want to kiss the earth when you come back, and you want to be so grateful for what you have here. And I hear all your listeners saying that today, and I'm sure the ones out there are feeling it too. So it's a very much a shared emotion and a great day.
1: You know what, uh, Anthony, and I've, I've heard that from a lot of people that travel uh, um, much more than than I do or have, and uh, especially if it's work that takes them somewhere, or even if it's not, if they just wish to, to go just for, for pleasure. But the fact that you've gone to so many, uh, and people such as yourself who have gone to so many other countries and, and and the other, you know, parts of the world, to be able to say something like that, I think, should really take note of that. You know, to those of us that don't travel as much, maybe, to take note of that so that we don't take it for granted, take this country for granted. Yeah,
0: and for those who are not traveling that much, you know, I mean, take it from me, you're seeing a lot of the best of the world has to offer right here, so...
1: Anthony Wilson-Smith from Historica Canada. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Bob Komsk. Canada Day was a day to celebrate our country's birthday, but it was also a day to get in some early campaigning for the federal party leaders. Both on his Twitter feed and on stage on Parliament Hill, Justin Trudeau spoke about his Liberal government's job creation since he was elected Prime Minister. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer acknowledged he wanted to make four stops across the country on Canada Day to meet in person as many Canadians as possible. His day included a visit to Toronto to the Etobicoke Rib Fest, where he notably did not stage an appearance with Premier Doug Ford, who also was there. And NDP leader Jugmeet Singh spent his Canada Day in his Burnaby South BC riding, a seat he fought to win less than six months ago. He also attended a festival, parade, and other afternoon and evening celebrations. Filling in for Libby's Nimer, Jane Brown spoke with our Tuesday strategy panelists about the Canada Day campaigning, Michael Diamond, principal of Upstream Strategy Group, and Charles Bird, managing principal of Ernst Cliff Strategy Group in Toronto.
3: I will say that there is no better day to be Prime Minister of Canada than on Canada Day, and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau certainly took full advantage of it. Um, I think he was well within his rights to uh, tout some of our more notable economic achievements, such as the fact of uh, a million jobs created in the last four years, unemployment at its lowest in uh, 30 years, and uh, most notably 825,000 Canadians being lifted out of poverty, and a good many of them children. And uh, the Prime Minister was quick to say that's thanks to Canadians like you, which I thought was... A pretty great message, along with the idea that no challenge is too great if we face it together. Notably, um, I I think Mr. Shear had a good day yesterday. Um, I was a little bit surprised by his decision not to attend the Toronto Pride Parade, because obviously in a pluralistic and uh, progressive society like Canada, that's the kind of statement that uh, others have chosen to make. I know Lisa Raid was there, and that was very good of her. Um, A bit surprised that Mr. Shear wasn't there.
4: Well, that's interesting as well, because... Uh, Had he been in the parade, that would have differentiated him from Doug Ford, who chose not to march uh, because, as he says, uh, until uniformed police officers are allowed to take part in the parade again, he won't be doing so. So that would have been an opportunity for him to uh, to separate his image from Doug Ford's.
3: Yeah, I I think that's right, but I mean Mr. Shear obviously has to be concerned about a, a, his base, a good number of whom are social conservatives. Um I, I recall him voting against same-sex marriage legislation in 2005 introduced by then Prime Minister Paul Martin. Um so it's 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 a fine balance he has to strike in terms of uh playing to his base but at the same time not appearing too out of step with uh, ordinary Canadians.
4: And Michael, your overall opinion of how the leaders did? I want to get to Jagmeet Singh as well. Well, I think uh, Charles makes a, an excellent point
5: that uh, a, a sitting prime minister has both a responsibility and a opportunity on Canada Day, and I think uh, the prime minister exercised both of those well. It's obviously a huge platform. Uh, Canadians from coast to coast to coast tune in to watch the official celebration on Parliament Hill, and the prime minister did that appropriately and used, used the advantage he had. Uh, Andrew Shear, I think, had, uh, had an excellent day choosing to uh, campaign uh, from uh, the Maritimes to British Columbia with a stop in Ontario where they showed a lot of energy and made sure he got in front of a lot of people. And to where you wanted me to go with this, I think, you know, once again, we're seeing a very lackluster performance from the leader of the Democratic Party who spent the day in and around his constituency in the Vancouver area. Not a place he should be worried about. He should be uh, looking to expand and see as many Canadians as possible. Uh, but uh, he certainly, especially with a rising tide of the Green Party, has to worry about the home front.
4: Right. I was surprised as well, because staying in the riding, uh, which you just won, where everybody is endorsing you, why would you not uh, visit other ridings across the country just to spread yourself out a bit? By staying in Burnaby, he was effectively invisible. Yeah, and he has a lot of caucus members and a lot of candidates who you would think would be
5: uh, thrilled to host the leader for a series of events on and around Canada Day. Perhaps they just weren't uh, coming forward with the invitations because uh, Mr. Singh's really not resonating uh, with the Canadian people. We're seeing that. Throughout polling, and uh, uh, it's a huge opportunity for the Green Party, but um, not not good for uh, the uh, stalwarts in his own party.
4: And Charles, your thoughts on Jugmeet Singh's Canada Day?
3: Well, it's 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 difficult. I can certainly appreciate how important British Columbia is um, to his electoral fortunes, but um, he has um, he has. A lot of work to do in places like Quebec, which still enjoys a good number of NDP MPs, uh, especially in Ontario, which is boat rich. Um, so it, it, it's difficult if you're him to know exactly um, where to go next. It's kind of like having multiple leaks in a dam and you've only got so many fingers at a given moment to uh, try to stem the flow.
1: Political strategists Charles Byrd and Michael Diamond are Tuesday strategy panel in conversation with Jane Brown. This is Zuma Radio's best to fight back. I'm Bob Comsick. Many of us have moments in the summer when we can be carefree, take a week off or two from work, and have a vacation. But most caregivers don't have this opportunity, which can lead to feelings of depression and frustration around constant routines and responsibilities. But there are ways to alleviate this stress to get some help and relief. Joining Jane Brown on Tuesday to discuss Sam Schweisberg, a caregiver and board member of the Ontario Caregiver Coalition, and Patrick Egan, a caregiver in Boulder, Colorado, who's now offering advice for the benefit of other caregivers.
6: I am the primary caregiver for my parents, aged 80 and 89. This is not a job that I signed up for. It's a job that uh, came to be because they moved close to where I live, and so I've learned a lot about the caregiving field from the standpoint of someone who's actually kind of backdoored into it.
4: And what about you, Sam? Tell us your story. I'm a caregiver for my
7: wife. Uh, Shortly after we were married, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and it was really uh, bad. And so I was left uh, being a caregiver for her as well as our two young children at the time while trying to uh, work full time to maintain a living for the whole family. So over the last 20 years, I've certainly uh, felt the uh, the pros and cons, shall we say, of being a caregiver. There are some pros, you know, it's very fulfilling, but, uh, but it's very, very taxing at times.
4: What can someone do who's in a caregiver situation, who is feeling lonely and isolated, maybe doesn't have siblings to spell off uh, some of the duties or close friends? What are some of the things this individual can do to get assistance?
7: it's really important that that you you reach out there's a new there's a new caregiver organization that the government of ontario is just setting up now and it's going to provide uh, information as to how people can um, uh, find out about resources that are available but by all means in the meantime you know there are people at the ccacs and the lins the, and now of course that's being reformed right now there there are social workers you can reach out to and this is government funded there are Um, there are avenues for exploring how you can get extra help. There are organizations that can assist you, but you need to reach out to uh, the the, the local LIN or the local CCAC, depending on the status of the reforms, and and, and find out about these things. But you have to invest just a few minutes. It's hard to find those few minutes, I grant you, but you've got to find 10, 15 minutes to reach out, contact resources, so that you can get the help that you need in terms of, fighting even isolation, because a good part of the challenge is isolation. Unfortunately, one of the um, losses sick people suffer is they, at a younger age is they, they tend to lose friends because they're, they no longer have things in common. They're not skiing together anymore. They're not, uh, you know, going to the gym together or what have you. And, and this causes a loss of friendship. And so isolation is something of a of a feature, unfortunately, of both caregiver and the one receiving care. And so it's important to reach out and and get those resources.
4: Patrick, there are friends out there of caregivers who will offer their help and get roadblocks, as you say, back from the caregiver who doesn't want to be a burden, I guess, on other people in, in their life.
6: Yeah, you have to get over that and it's hard, <laughs> but uh, it is because you're so used to being the everything for your other person and I, you get what I call caregiving creep. So you start out by paying the bills and then all of a sudden you take them to the doctor and then all of a sudden you're dealing with medication management and it's easy to become overwhelmed. Um, under the best of intentions, it's easy to become overwhelmed. So to try to share that burden with other people, whether it be family members, loved ones, um, their neighbors, people in the community. I think really helps, and there increasingly is a recognition, just given the numbers, that uh, so, you know societies, areas need to step up and try to provide resources for caregivers uh, so that they can do this really largely unpaid work um, and and help the, the carry the person that they're caring for.
4: And Sam, if you could give us some information for people uh, specifically in Ontario uh, to get assistance when they need it.
7: Well, you can try the Ontario Caregiver Coalition itself, and we can direct you to some sources okay. as well. And as I said, there is the new Ontario uh, Caregiver um, Association that the Province of Ontario has set up that's going to become operational uh, shortly and put up information on their website uh, to assist people. Uh, plus, uh, be sure you get uh, help if you have a if if you're caring for somebody on your own. Uh, contact your doctor to get a uh, referral or a, a prescription, so to speak, to get a PSW in there to help you uh, because there are waiting lists and you have to enlist the, the system. You have to be very active. You have okay. You must be an active person.
1: Sam Schweisberg with the Ontario Caregiver Coalition and Patrick Egan, caregiver and author in Boulder, Colorado. This is Zuma Radio's Best to Fight Back. I'm Bob Komsik. Fight Back with Libby's Nimer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the week. Colin in Toronto phoned to talk about what he sees as failures by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau.
6: Trudeau uh, loves to play
0: with words. You know, like he, he boasts about his job creation, but he doesn't break it down and say how, you know, how many of those jobs are part-time jobs with no job security? You know he doesn't go on and do that. He hasn't balanced the budget as he promised to do. So you know he's a, he's an utter failure as far as I'm concerned.
1: Giovanni in Brampton phoned with his idea for making streets safer for cyclists.
7: I've been driving since 1964, and what I've seen last five, ten years that. Um, it is very dangerous out there to drive, even if you are on a motorcycle or a truck or a car, and uh, in a bicycle mostly, because uh, I think uh, people need to be educated, or it's time that uh, bicycles uh, should have a license and uh, insurance for it.
1: Douglas called from Lake Scugog about the Ontario cannabis stores.
7: I
0: got introduced to marijuana in 1967. I've been smoking it all my life. Um, I'm asthmatic. I use medical marijuana for a reason. I've been to a few of these shops before it became legal. I don't trust it. I'm not paying Dougie Ford's uh, taxes and I have a friend of mine who's got illegally entitled to purchase marijuana. I, in fact, don't even have to, uh, have to pay for it. I can get other people and the, my cost ends up to be zero. I'm telling you, be, uh, Dougie Ford should... Uh, uh, stop the taxes! Way too expensive to walk into one of these new uh, brick and mortar places. And
1: now, Fight Back's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week comes from Bruce, who called from southwestern Ontario to talk about staying fit at seventy.
0: I'm a seventy-year-old guy, and um, I run eight kilometers every second day. And on my alternate days, I'm a cyclist. I did 34 kilometers last night.
4: Wow!
0: And I'm still, you know, feeling re- uh, reasonably fit. I eat pretty much the same thing most days. Uh, I have a banana at breakfast, uh, and then uh, and, a, and a cholesterol pill. And then at lunchtime, I have two or three apples and a cheese sandwich. Um, a couple of cookies, and then I have a well-balanced meal <laughs> nice. at supper time, but I try to keep it fairly li- fairly light.
1: That does it for today's Best to Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us from noon to one weekdays at 416 on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, also 96.7 FM downtown. Or, if you have a comment, email us at fightback at ca. And follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby. I'm Bob Comsey. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fightback. The best of Fightback is produced by Jane Brown, Michelle Saunders,
0: Justin Ecock, and Kelly Robotham.